Good evening, listeners. It's May 14th, and you're tuned in to 88.7 KBBR Corvallis. It's currently just after 7 p.m., and on a Sunday, that can mean only one thing. It's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm Mackenzie Smith. And I'm Kristen Finch. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students in every in over 80 departments of and programs of study. And here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of those students each week. If you're a graduate student at OSU and you're interested in coming on the show, or you just want to find out more about all the awesome things happening at Oregon State, check out our blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu inspiration, where you can find out more about our up and coming guests, links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. Inspiration dissemination is recorded live, and should they occur, any opinions expressed on the show are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent Oregon State University or this station. Tonight, we are joined by Andrew Popchak from the Department of Biochemistry and Biophysics. Andrew, welcome to the show, and tell us about your work. Well, hey there. Um, Yeah, like you said, I'm from the Department of Biochemistry and Biophysics. And I actually do research in a physics lab uh, where we study motor proteins called kinesins. And we um, use microscopy to try and understand how they function. Wow. So if you're like me and you haven't been in a biology course for about a decade, can you tell us what are motor proteins and what do they do and what's that fancy word you used after that? Um, yeah. Um, so motor proteins are these, um, small molecules in our cells that, um, kind of have the unique ability, like, um, the name implies to use energy and transport things, um, around our cells and also provide force within our cells, which are um, needed for not only, um, things like movement in some cells, but also, uh, cell division, which, kind of relates to cancer, which is kind of um, related to the protein that I study. Nice. And tell us more about this protein that you study. What's it called and what does it do? So it's called CLIP-A, and um, it is a member of um, the kinesin-14 family. So we um, divide the kinesins into 14 families. And uh, CLIP-A is from fungus, and we use it as a model to try and understand how... um, these kinesin 14s are functioning during cell division. And so why would you need to use a fungus and what would the benefits of using a fungus instead of just human cells be? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And uh, the main thing is that they're a lot easier to study. Um, Things can be really pretty complicated in human cells. So um, in a lot of cases, it's a lot easier to take a simpler system like that in fungus and first try and understand that system and then move into things that are more complicated. Nice. And tell us a little bit more about this myoscopy. What is that and what does it have to do with your research? Yeah, so um, to kind of learn about these proteins and how they work, uh, we use a technique um, called turf microscopy. So um, what that allows us to do is actually visualize individual proteins in solution, and we can actually watch them um, function or move um, under our microscope. 
basically. Yeah, it looks like a, the images look like a light show. And yeah. I would recommend yeah. if you go to our blog, blogs.oregonstate.eu slash inspiration, you'll see a couple couple images. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the, the first time that I, that I saw um, basically um, a movie like that, and it was really amazing because um, basically you can watch these, they look like little dots, but they're motor proteins and you can watch them move um, in real time, which is pretty amazing. And so one thing that your lab was able to find is that this clip A and this class, or is the whole class of proteins maybe, they are able to go two directions on the skeleton of the cell? Yeah, yeah. So they, um, so all cells have what we call a cytoskeleton. So instead of a skeleton like us, they have um, these filaments. And the ones that... Uh, Kinesins function are called microtubules, and um, there there had been some earlier findings about some other kinesins that kind could move um, in both directions. But um, our finding with clip A was that it's the first kinesin fourteen to be able to actually change direction, um, and it's the first kind of bidirectional movement, is what we call it, um, of its type that we've seen for any of these kinesin motors. Um, and it was a really interesting finding that um, we kind of equated it to having this functional gear in, um, in the protein that actually allows it to change direction. Nice, so you're looking at these particular motor proteins and why is this, why is this an area of interest? What is some of the hope for this, this research? Yeah, um, well, like I mentioned earlier, um, these kinesins are functioning and required uh, during cell division. So um, as cells divide, they have this um, assembly called a mitotic spindle, and um, it has to function properly to ensure that after cell division, the two daughter cells each have the right genetic material. And so <clears throat> if that um, doesn't function properly, then um, you have cells that don't have the right amount of genetic material, and that leads to things like cancer. Um, and actually, um, one of the problems that um, these motor proteins are part of is that some cancer cells already have a, a lot of extra genetic material, so um, they actually upregulate or over-express um, the kinesin-14s to get around um, that so they can still go through cell division. And so um, they're actually the human equivalent of clip A is an anti-cancer therapeutic target, um, but they're difficult to use small molecules to, to target. And really fundamentally, we don't know how they're functioning. So that makes it much harder to develop drugs and treatment strategies. So, yeah. So like maybe one day when you know more about this protein or, or even the people who come after you who keep going forward and learning about the, this class of proteins, you're saying that there could be some kind of uh, drug or chemical that interrupts the functioning of this protein. So maybe it would shut down cancer. Yeah, the um, <clears throat> I think the overall strategy would be if you could develop an inhibitor, so something that stops the function of these kinesin-14s, um, then those cancerous cells that have extra genetic material that are undergoing cell division won't be able to, to go through cell division, so they'll get kind of locked in the intermediate state and they'll, and they'll go through apoptosis and die. And so um, 
it would, if we can develop something that works, it's actually a really viable anti-cancer um, strategy. So what if I have, so say that I uh, need this or, you know, somebody I know needs this uh, inhibitor. Uh, how can I be so sure that not all of my other kinesins that I need are going to get stopped? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, um, that's a big problem within the field. So um, there is one anti-cancer drug for one particular kinesin, but in general, um, the kinesins, they have the motor domains, which are kind of their, like their feet um, that are responsible for um, their ability to walk. And they're very highly conserved. So um, the, the kind of the most logical target is to target those areas because they're responsible for their ability to function. But the problem is that if you develop an inhibitor for one, it usually targets all your kinesins. And so that um, isn't what you want. Um, and so um, the thinking is that if we can better understand the system, then we don't necessarily have to target clip A, say, or the equivalent kinesin 14, but actually one of its interacting partners that effectively can inhibit its function. Okay, great. So you've um, published this really cool research in Nature Communications, right, um, in the lab that you're working in about this this directionality. So then you've published this great piece. So then what's what's next? What are you working on now to build on that? Yeah. Um, so we the the initial paper was um, they were just kind of the initial findings and characterization of clip A, and so. Um, and it's really, the project has grown. So um, when I started it, it was just a small kind of side thing, side project. Um, and it's really grown into a big project within our lab. Um, but moving forward, I'm looking at the system now that Clip A functions in. So looking at some of these interacting proteins and how they um, affect the function of Clip A. And so um, it's really going to be interesting to see um, if that, those effects are conserved, you know, from from fungus all the way to humans. So um, we have some really exciting preliminary findings, um, and I think that um, we'll be publishing a follow-up fairly soon. Great. Uh, well, best of luck with that. And yeah. I want to remind the listeners really quick that you're listening to Inspiration Dissemination, and you're tuned into KBVR Corvallis 88.7 FM. Anyway, so Andrew, I want to know, how did you get started doing this? How, how, did, you get, how did you get started in science? Um, well, it's, it's kind of been a long and incongruent kind of path that I've taken uh, to, to get here. Um, I would say my initial interest started um, when I was pretty young, and I think... By the time that I was in high school, um, I was really, I'd always been kind of interested in biology and physics. And so um, I kind of found out that there's a particular program, biochemistry, um, that kind of marries those two interests. Um, so then I went on um, from high school to, to study biochemistry um, in college. And um, and I started at actually Western Washington University, um, which is in Bellingham, uh, which is one of the most beautiful places that I've ever lived. Um, but uh, my initial stay there, um, I kind of wasn't so focused on my studies. 
Um, and I did enjoy it um, quite a bit, though. But um, <laughs> so then after a couple of years, I, I decided to, to transfer to um, Washington State, which is in Pullman. So kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. One's on the ocean, kind of in a very rainy area to the middle of the Palouse, which is in the middle of wheat fields, essentially. But um, <laughs> it made it easier to, to focus. And, um, and um, at WCU, I was actually able to to come in contact and actually have the ability to do my own research. Um, so that was my first taste of, of research um, of that kind of nature that um, like graduate study. Um, and um, so, so yeah, so then I, I, I worked in a lab as a, as a lab technician. So um, under work study in a, in a plant sciences lab actually. And, um, and so, I I knew that I definitely didn't want to study plants. Um, yeah. Aww, that makes Kristen sad. <laughs> well, yeah, um, not because I don't like them, but um, sure, that's what you say now. They they just take a very long time to grow. Yeah, and there's a lot of manual labor. I mean, it, it was why I had a job, but um, involved with with that with studying plants. Um, they are very cool, but um, <laughs> but I also uh, my senior year actually did some um, independent research in a uh, x-ray crystallography lab, so a, a structural biology lab, uh, which, which initially I was very interested in. So um, I thought it was really interesting how you could actually determine the structure of a protein um, and look at it and, and move it around and try and understand the, really the, the, minu the minutia of how it, how it functions. Um, so... Yeah. And what, what protein was that that you were working or what class of proteins were you in kinesins? No, actually, this was totally unrelated. Um, and uh, we were actually looking at these um, types of proteins that break down um, environmental uh, contaminants. So there's uh, certain proteins that are able to break down. They're called trichlorophenols. And, um, and basically what they wanted to try and understand is what determined which particular compounds they could break down. And the end goal of that project um, was that if you could understand what determined which um, compounds you could break down, you could design a protein that could break down all of them. And then mm -hmm. you just need to, to treat these chemical spills with one a, a solution of your protein and it would basically chew up everything. Mm, very so, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So you were, um, so you were. That was when you were a senior. You were still an undergraduate student. So then you thought, was that when you're like, I'm going to go to graduate school, or how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. That's um, kind of a, a funny story. I, I, I was basically, I wasn't really sure. I wasn't certain about um, about grad school. Um, I was a little intimidated basically from my experience um, with the, in that structural biology lab, seeing I worked close, closely with a graduate student and kind of really got a lot of insight into graduate student life um, and the kind of devotion that you need to, to do successful research. Um, and so, and I had flirted with the idea of, of med school kind of on and off and, and, and I wasn't really sure um, where I was going to end up. So, uh, and I remember there was a, um, we had a poster presentation, uh, that I had and it was a competition and, um, one of the commenters was actually, uh, one of the old physics professors. And in his comments, I think he had heard that I had not 
committed to going to grad school. And he didn't like that at all. And, he, <clears throat> and he, so he told me to, um, to contact him and that um, I could work with him to, to continue at WSU. Um, I didn't take him up on, on the offer. Um, and actually, after um, I graduated, I just took basically a few gap years, um, as everybody calls them now. Um, <laughs> so you got to have some fun. What were you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was a little burned out too. So I, it took me five years to to get my undergrad, and so um, I didn't do I didn't do any science for a while. I I kind of worked at a restaurant um, as a barista, and then um, I moved actually down to Berkeley for a while and kind of did the ski bum thing, which which was um, totally new for me. I'd, I'd never done. Uh, sales or customer service really before um, those things. And that was a really um, cool experience. And then um, after a couple of years kind of doing that, then I um, actually decided, okay, well, I should do something with my degree. So I um, got a job as a chemist um, for a uh, company in Kellogg, Idaho. Okay. So you were working as a commercial, you'd had the adventures, you were working yes. as a chemist. Yeah. Yeah. And so you must've thought, Oh, I have it made. I'm just going to be a chemist forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Living in Kellogg. <laughs> yeah. Living right. in, well, Kellogg. I, I Living the dream. in I lived in Coeur d'Alene, not in Kellogg. Oh, in Cor- um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. was a little better, but, um, yeah, I, I did. And I, at first I was really excited about, um, doing something more in my field, but, um, you know, pretty quickly, it really became clear to me that um, kind of the I wasn't going to be able to do really interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did while I was there do as much as I could. I kind of developed a couple new um, protocols for, for determining certain things. That, um, so a lot of people had done my job before me and no one had really looked at it that closely. So mm-hmm. that was kind of kind of cool. But um, but yeah, I. I I realized that I was going to get bored really quickly. Um, and so um, a friend of mine was actually going to graduate school here in the BB uh, program, and she recommended that I apply. Um, and so um, I applied kind of on a whim, and it was, it was a little late, and um, I didn't quite get everything turned in in time. And so I didn't get into the program, but um, I remember that the chair of admissions had he emailed me and told me that I was a strong applicant and that I should um, just basically resubmit everything next year. Um, and that was a little bit before really I started my job as a chemist, actually. Um, uh, but I didn't really think anything of it because by the time I had received that information, I was I was working there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, and that's where things really get interesting because. I was working as a chemist and kind of realizing um, that I wasn't going to be able to do anything that exciting. And then out of the blue, uh, I actually got an email and it said, congratulations, you've been accepted into the Oregon State BB department for, <laughs> for the PhD program. And um, I was really surprised at first. I didn't believe I thought it, they sent the wrong they sent the email to the wrong person or something. Um, but it turns out it was it was. Uh, a real email, and um, and so I went in for, I flew here for an interview actually, um, and um, decided that well shoot you know I should just come here. 
Nice. Um, and and just to clarify, that was the same application cycle or another one? That was the next application that was cycle. The next one. And I they did not so actually much. resubmit my information like I had been told to. Um, <laughs> so, so they I just had you on file, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. then so they resubmit for you or they just like put you back into the pool of applicants? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, wow. not, I'm not exactly sure how that all <laughs> happened. I don't know if someone uh, just told them to, to stick me back in the pool, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, uh, totally unexpected, um, but kind of serendipitous, you know. Nice. So, um, so yeah, so that's basically I accepted the position to come here and then had a few more months at, at my job as a chemist and then left there and came here. And can you remind us who your PI is again? Uh, Wei Hong Shu. So he's um, actually in the physics department. He's an adjunct faculty in the BB department. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, did you immediately start working with kinesins and then the project that you're doing now? Because I know that some graduate students kind of start with a different project and their dissertation evolves into something else. Yeah. And I and I think that that probably happens for, for most uh, just because, you know, you don't really know what's going to work and what's not. So, um, no, funny enough, I, I joined the lab um, with the intention of doing structural biology like I had done as an undergrad. Um, with these particular kinesin proteins. Um, and, you know, I should have uh, should have known why there wasn't a lot of structural work with these proteins because it was very difficult. And so um, nothing really took off in that area. So this project with Clope was just something, well, here, what you're doing now isn't really working out, so why don't you start doing this on the side and see what happens? And so, yeah, that's kind of how it went. Nice. So, um, thinking about, you know, you're still, you're still working on your research, but what, what might lie ahead? What are you interested in either continuing in your research or per, perhaps post PhD? Yeah. Um, that's a, a tough question. I think, uh, mm -hmm. a question that all of us kind of get, especially as we, as we get into our third and fourth years. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a difficult question. I think, um, you know, most of us probably come in with the the um, hope to be professors, um, and it's very competitive um, in that field. But um, and funding, you know, the funding climate right now is very difficult. Um, but even we had a um, a guest speaker from Genentech, um, and she said that their uh, research, basically research assistants, now most of those people that they hire have PhDs. So traditionally they would hire people with, people with masters, but now um, it's just the way the market is that now those people all have PhDs. But um, So that's more of an industry-like job? Yeah, exactly. Kind of biotech? Or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. And that's um, down in San Francisco. So, um, so yeah, I think that I'll probably do a postdoc. Um, so it's kind of in a way to defer that decision a little bit further, you know, mm -hmm. Deferring is the way that we kind of do things in, in academia, you know, as long <laughs> as we can. So um, I think that's probably what I'll do. I, I, I've heard a lot of good thing, um, things about, a post, about postdocs. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that's the plan. Great. Cool. So we're uh, moving into the last bit of our show. And uh, we do have some traditions that we stick to. And one of them is to ask you, in all of your wisdom, to give us some advice for, uh, for the public. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think really 
one of the biggest um, things that I've learned really the hard way doing research here is that you can't be afraid to fail. Um, so I think that if I had known that a long, a long time ago, it would have been really nice. But um, <laughs> I think the way that, that we do science is really you learn a lot from those failures. And I think that's true outside of science. So you, you, know, you can't be afraid to fail and you have to be willing to take risks. Um, I think if anything, if you're really gonna push to the next level. Um, and make big discoveries. And so, um, and so, yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Nice. Um, so we have one other tradition here at Inspiration Dissemination. We ask that our, our guests are able to play a song on their way out. So that could have something to do with your research or just something uh -huh. that's helped you through or a song <laughs> you really like. So what do you want us to play tonight and tell us why? Um, so this song is by Born Ruffians, a band that I, that I really like and kind of discovered randomly, but it's called I Need a Life. Um, and so it just, um, it's kind of funny listening to it. Um, it kind of reminded me of a little bit about the graduate experience, you know, um, I think we're all, at least, um, my cohorts, um, the amount of commitment and time that we have to devote to um, our research kind of makes you have to make sacrifices in other areas. And so, um, yeah, I thought this song was just kind of funny that it kind of captured that in, in, the, in a small way. Nice. Okay. Well, thanks for, for joining us, Andrew. It's fascinating yeah, to hear you. about your research. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. And uh, you are listening to Inspiration Dissemination. We host graduate students every week on Sundays at 7 p.m. and we'll be back next week with another fabulous guest. So here it is, uh, Born Ruffians, a request from Andrew Popchuk. Thanks a lot. Come help me up and stumbling round Trying to fill my cup, it's half empty 